0: On 1019 WDET, I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've tuned in. Before we get started today, I want to thank everyone who showed up at the Senate Theater in Southwest Detroit last night to join me and Maria Inahosa the host of Latino USA, and Julio Varela, the co-host of the In the Thick podcast, for a live recording of that podcast here in Detroit. It was really great fun having a conversation with them about politics, about immigration, about race and class here in the city of Detroit. It was a really great night, and I'm really grateful to all of the folks who packed that theater To be part of that, you can listen to what we recorded during that podcast uh, and find it at the In The Thick podcast, which you can find uh, on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Up front today, wealth and income equality have been major talking points in this year's presidential election cycle. Candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have made taxing the super rich benchmarks of their campaigns. They say the gap between the rich and the poor is widening to extreme levels in this country and that the economy is rigged against the vast majority of Americans. So how is that issue playing out here in Michigan? Bridge Magazine state capital reporter Jonathan Osting looked into that question and he found that, no surprise, the gap between rich and poor is getting wider here in Michigan as well. And it may be getting wider than it is in other states. Jonathan Osteen joins us now to talk about that and what all this might mean for Michigan's Democratic presidential primary next Tuesday. Jonathan Osteen, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. So let's start actually on a slightly related topic. I just saw Governor Gretchen Whitmer on national television throwing her support behind Joe Biden. She is one of lots of Democratic officials that we're now seeing make choices uh, as the field narrows. I want to get your reaction to that endorsement uh, before we before we talk about your story.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think you're, of course, right that we've seen a real coalescing uh, around Joe Biden from so-called establishment Democrats uh, in recent weeks or recent days, actually, <laughs> um, before and following Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitmer is the latest, but I think she's a pretty significant endorsement. She was certainly sought after uh, heavily. You know, she's a governor who won uh, a state this state by nearly 10 points in 2018, uh, just two years after Donald Trump won Michigan in what was, uh, you know, a really pivotal win for him, uh, allowing him to get that electoral uh, college edge and, and take the White House. So uh, she was, uh, you know, getting lots of calls throughout this race, but had signaled uh, that she was probably going to sit it out as as recently as Friday. Mm-hmm. Her campaign told or her office, sorry, told me she had no plans to endorse. But uh, like a lot of folks, I think that you know she saw the dynamics in this race change pretty quickly uh, over the past, as she put it, seventy two hours, and uh, came out in support of Biden today um, and, and you know certainly I think endorsements in general aren't always as big of a deal as people make them out to be but Whitmer's very high profile so I think this one is significant
0: well and one of the things she said during the interview that I saw was that the key for Democrats here in Michigan is exactly the blueprint that she followed for her election in 2018 in other words turning people out in places that they hadn't turned out in 2016, focusing on issues that perhaps Hillary Clinton missed with with Michiganders. Gretchen Whitmer says she understands how to do all of those things and get Michiganders to vote for a Democrat.
1: Yeah, that's right. She, uh, of course, praised Biden for building a more diverse coalition. You know, we've seen him faring very well with African-American voters in South Carolina and some other states on Super Tuesday. But she also, you know, said, I think the blueprint from 2018, which is how, what she ran on showing up, focusing on dinner table issues, and in her words, getting things done, uh, is exactly what Joe Biden represents. That's what she said on national television. Um, and, you know, sort of saying he's the guy who's focused on real uh, uh, solutions or achievable solutions in a way that she uh, tried to do in 2018. Now, of course, her critics will note that some of her um, goals, such as fixing the damn roads, uh, are still very much works in progress. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a message certainly that resonated with voters here uh, two years ago, and she's hoping will again uh, in 2020.
0: So let's talk about the story that you published This week and explain what is happening with the income gap here in Michigan. I imagine that this is the kind of information that people will have front of mind when they go to the polls next Tuesday and choose one of these Democrats to represent the ticket in November.
1: Well, I certainly uh, hope you know that my reporting informs the policy debate. I think we've seen, <laughs> for recently, some of the polling suggests that the number one issue for a lot of Democratic voters is simply who they think can beat Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, uh, this this idea of income and wealth inequality has been central to the campaigns, uh, specifically of, of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, it was uh, four years ago too when Bernie Sanders won Michigan. Uh, he is, you know, complaining about this this wealth gap. And he and uh, Warren are both proposing uh, sort of a unique concept for the United States anyways, which is a wealth tax, uh, you know, a specific annual tax on the wealth, not the income, but the wealth, the holdings of uh, some of the richest Americans uh, in the country. Uh, There's debate over how effective that might be or how effective it's been in other countries. Uh, But you certainly see uh, Sanders, you know, channeling this sort of populist mentality, uh, and and using these proposals to sort of gin up support from uh, from voters who, even though the economy is doing relatively well here, uh, you know, don't necessarily think it's doing as well for them as mm-hmm. it is for other voters.
0: Yeah. So so let's talk about this idea of the gap widening. I think everyone's really aware that. We've always had, a, you know, a difference between how wealthy people do and how poor people do. In your story, you talk about how that's getting worse in Michigan, and not just worse than it was before here, but worse than it is in other states.
1: Yeah, sure. I do just want to point out that you know the way income data lags. We, you know, the most recent data we have is for 2017, so we haven't necessarily seen the full impact of the Trump. Tax cuts yet in any of these numbers. And of course, Bernie Sanders and some of the other, oh, well, all the candidates, Joe Biden included, uh, want to roll back some of those tax cuts for the country's highest earners. Uh, that said, you know, what we have seen over the last several decades is a continual, uh, you know, Widening of this gap. Um, historic state data shows that you know household incomes, when adjusted for inflation, were essentially stagnant for the bottom four fifths of Michigan residents, uh, and that's from 1989 to 2018. Uh, but incomes rose uh, by 22.7 for the top fifth, 38.2 percent for the top five percent of houseco- households over that span. Uh, the most recent year of data available, as I mentioned, is 2016, uh, and I went I parsed that data and found that the top one percent of Michigan income tax filers, that's both individuals and couples, reported an average gross income of more than two point three million dollars. The other ninety nine percent of filers averaged about fifty three thousand. Uh, that's a much more significant gap than we saw just four years earlier. Mm. So um, suggests you know things are, are certainly growing. Uh, and again, we don't know what the impact of that uh, the Trump tax cuts will be. That di- that plan did, of course, cut tax. Taxes proportionally uh, for most residents across the United States, but because uh, you know the rich were paying more in taxes to begin with, uh, they likely are going to keep more money in their pockets sure, uh, as sure. a result.
0: The break looks looks different for them. So. One of the people you talked to for your story was MSU economist Charles Ballard, someone who is a frequent guest on this show. You talked about his research that suggests Michigan's middle class has been, quote, hollowed out more than in other states. Talk about what that means and what it means for political sentiments here in Michigan.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of candidates and campaigns will often focus on the middle class because that is, uh, you know, a large chunk of the electorate that usually ends up showing up in voting in elections. Uh, So it's sort of a coveted group. Uh, And yeah, Ballard's data, you know, points out that uh, you know the rich uh, I- the incomes for the rich are sort of pulling away from the middle class but the middle class isn't pulling away from the lower earners so essentially the rich are getting richer and everybody else is kind of staying the same now he looked at data from the 70s and through 2013 so again it's not the most recent data available but it's a trend we've seen over several decades um, as far as you know that, that idea that candidates tend to focus on the middle class. That's been kind of fascinating to watch. I I watched, uh, you know, looked at transcripts and watched both the most recent two debates uh, on the Democratic primary. And the candidates spent way more time talking about billionaires than they did talking about uh, the middle class. Um, And of course, uh, you know, some of that was, targeted criticism of uh, former mayor mike bloom former new york mayor mike bloomberg who uh, had been running and was a billionaire himself but of course withdrew from the race this week but um, a lot more talk about the rich than about uh, middle class uh, in in the recent uh, you know narrative of the democratic primary mm-hmm. that said bernie sanders does have uh, you know has faced questions over how his plan specifically would impact the middle class he's the only candidate who's acknowledged uh, you know folks would probably pay more in t- Taxes for his Medicare for all plan. He still argues they'd save overall uh, because they wouldn't have to pay health care premiums and stuff like that. But it's usually a pretty unpopular sentiment to say you're going to raise taxes on the middle class. But Sanders hasn't shied away from it. He's still arguing they'll save overall. Hmm.
0: My guest is Jonathan Osting. He's a state capital reporter for Bridge Magazine. He wrote a piece this week titled Michigan's Income Gap is Widening. Time for Democrats to Soak the Rich. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Are you feeling the benefits of a growing economy here in Michigan? Do you think you're in a better place financially than you were a decade ago? Uh, Do you feel like the economy is stacked against you, perhaps, and that you're not seeing some of the benefits that people keep talking about with this, quote-unquote, booming economy under Trump? Uh, Also, give us an idea of when you go to the polls next Tuesday, what are the pocketbook issues that will influence your decisions? Are you somebody who thinks you can do better under a Democratic administration than you've done under Donald Trump's Republican administration. Uh, And what are you making of the different choices you have on the Democratic side? Are you somebody who thinks Bernie Sanders will be able to give you more opportunity, economic opportunity? Or is Joe Biden your choice? Uh, As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, We'll try to work you into the conversation. Also, give us a call and tell us if you have any reaction to Governor Gretchen Whitmer deciding that she's going to throw her support behind Joe Biden, the former vice president here of the United States. She announced this morning that that is her candidate. She thinks that if he follows the same blueprint that she did in 2018, that Democrats could win back the state of Michigan, which they lost narrowly in 2016. Again, 20 577 uh, 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 1019 You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and leave comments there. We'll try to work them into the conversation here. Uh, Kate on Twitter says uh, of Whitmer endorsing Biden, uh, it's expected establishment Dems are going to go with establishment Dems. I wonder who Abdul Al-Sayed is endorsing. That was her primary Dem choice in 2018. Uh, of course, el sayed has endorsed uh, 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 Bernie Sanders. Uh, I've seen him say that uh, he is supporting he is supporting Sanders uh, just as I believe he did in in 2016. Uh, John on Twitter also about. The governor's endorsement says she should be spending more time on the roads instead of appearing on MSNBC's Morning Schmo endorsing stiffs. Yeah, very harsh words from John there about (laughs) the governor's decision to endorse Joe Biden. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Vernon in Auburn Hills. Vernon, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Uh,
2: Interesting topic. I would like to address two issues. One would be the rich and the other one would be the middle class. Okay. First off, I want to live in a society where there are rich people. I want to. I want people to drive Ferraris. I want people to buy private jets. I don't want to, I, I don't want everybody just struggling to be in a uh, uh, just a, a mediocre. Uh, I want people to be able to be billionaires. Uh, not only that, if you, let's take a guy that makes hundred million dollars a year, he's if he's paying thirty eight percent, he's paying thirty eight million in taxes me that's a fair share uh, to, to me the guy's doing okay hmm. uh as far as the middle class goes i just sold the truck to a guy and uh matter of fact he was a black guy and uh he was a pipe fitter high school dropout joined the military he's working in midland michigan i said man you're making good money as a pipe fitter he said that's not the half of it he makes sure he only works 40 hours a week because he, Works, does contract work on the same job, and he's making $1,000 a day. Mm. So to me, I think the middle class, if, if you have some type of a skill, and then I know people with PhDs that, in liberal arts that are working for tips. It, it's, it, that's reality, and that's been going on since biblical times. I,
0: I, so, just, so, uh, so, Vernon, in, in, in your view then, the economy we have is working, is working for everyone? No, I, I wish it. Uh,
2: you have to have a skill. You you can't expect to to do good at an entry-level job and do it for 30 or 40 years. You have to you have to get better at what you do.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Vernon, you know, and, I it, I appreciate the call and the and the comments. It's an interesting take on on what's going on, especially your comments about what, why that you think we ought to have. Wealthy people in 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 our country and what you think they do for uh, the economy and for government through through their taxes appreciate the call in the comments. Let's go to Luis in Detroit. Luis, welcome to the show. Hi, hey. Steve, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh,
3: good, good. It, it's um Luis from Brightmoor. I don't know if you remember we talked before, but uh, I was at the event with uh, Maria and Rosa last night mm-hmm. in the thick, and I it was great. Love. You know, the awesome conversation. It was a
0: lot of fun. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, it was great. I shouted Bernie a couple of times. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were the one <laughs> shouting Bernie in the audience. Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
3: exactly. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a strong Bernie supporter. I, you know, I identify myself as a democratic socialist, and it's a label that it's a really, really funky label to carry because the term socialism and our country is identified with Venezuela and Cuba and countries that are not doing well at all, as opposed to Denmark, Sweden, Norway. Mm. And living in Detroit and seeing the problems that we're having, you know, it it would be a fantasy to say, hey, socialism is the way to go. But at the same time, I need to say, look, we got to take care of the people that don't have a chance. Mm. My neighbors, Mm. you know, they are barely graduating high school and i i'm dealing with basically um you know my community are are people that need a lot of help and Mm. not handouts they don't want handouts they want
0: they want opportunity for
3: everyone exactly opportunity and it's opportunity in education it's opportunity and 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 for the elderly and health services it's opportunity for you know for many people and i i maybe i'll I'll lead you guys, you know, onto your comment, but yeah. I Luis, I just don't know what the option is between Bernie and, and, and Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know, Luis. I appreciate the call and the comments, and and Kate on Facebook reminds me not to leave uh, not to leave Elizabeth Warren out of this conversation. She's still on the ballot, and there are lots of people who I know, especially who are supporting her and, and planning to vote for her on Tuesday. So uh, if you're a Warren supporter, certainly you should, should call and talk about how you figure she figures into the, into the equation as well. Uh, Jonathan Osting reacted to what we've heard from the two callers so far.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Well, I think, you know, Luis uh, sort of gets to what's going to be a really really critical factor here on Tuesday is whether folks, you know, uh, who are angling for a revolution uh, that Bernie Sanders promises would be, uh, you know, okay with more of that incremental uh, advances that Joe Biden is talking about. Um, you know, th- that's a really critical issue, not just for Michigan's primary, but for uh, the party as a whole, you know, whether uh, they're going to be able to, Coalesce and come together after uh, this primary. And that was, you know, an issue in 2016 uh, as well. But I think we've seen, you know, sort of the the divide between the the progressives or you know, democratic socialists, as the caller described himself as, mm-hmm. and you know, the traditional Democrats. Um, and you know, um, it's it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, as far as Elizabeth Warren, she, you know, has not. Um, She apparently reportedly is reassessing her campaign, Mm. uh, you know, in the wake of sort of a poor showing on Super Tuesday. But she was in Michigan on Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. you know, when results were rolling in. And she was, you know, making the case uh, to voters that they should uh, vote with their heart, vote for who they think will. Be the best president and don't listen to pundits who are making all sort of you know poli- political calculus that a vote for Elizabeth Warren uh, would be a wasted vote because uh, you know she probably won't beat uh, Bernie or Biden here. So uh, you know she was sort of taking taking head on you know taking on, head on that sort of narrative that she's uh, out of the race, so people shouldn't vote for her. Um, she does have you know a pretty solid infrastructure in Michigan. She was one of the first candidates. Uh, to set up shop in the state, Um, and I think she does have a lot of support here. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see, though, if she stays in the race, how many folks uh, ignore that sort of political calculus that she's urging them to do and stick with her.
0: Mm. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna continue this conversation with Jonathan Osting about the income gap here in Michigan and whether it will have an effect on the votes that we're gonna cast next Tuesday in the Democratic presidential primary. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones and in Clinton Township, Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers, Joshua and Canton. We will get to you next as well. If you wanna give uh, if you wanna join them, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You are listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always... I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Jonathan Osting. He is a state capital reporter for Bridge Magazine. He wrote a piece this week titled Michigan's Income Gap is Widening. Is it time for Democrats to soak the rich? We're talking about. The income gap here in Michigan and what role it might play in the balloting that will take place in our state next Tuesday as we go and select who we think should be the Democratic nominee to take on Donald Trump in November. Uh, as always, we want to hear from you about all of these uh, issues. What do you think about the income gap here in Michigan? Is it playing out in your life in a way that is worse than it was four or eight or ten years ago? Uh. What role is that playing in your decision making in advance of Tuesday? Who are you choosing to vote for based on your economic circumstances? Also, give us a call and tell us what you think of Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who came out this morning and said that she is endorsing Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. Uh, She had said earlier that she probably would stay out of this issue but uh, decided at the last minute that uh, she would throw her support behind the former vice president as always 313 1019 is the number on the phones you can also go to facebook and twitter and put comments there we'll try to work those into the conversation uh, um, let's go to julia julia in shelby township welcome to the show
4: hi um I was just saying that I think that the most important thing in this election is to get rid of for profit health insurance companies. They're killing this country. Um, even if you say that you like your insurance, it's because you haven't had to go to the ER in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Elizabeth Warren is the best candidate. She has been fighting for the middle class for decades, and I think that she's got some very, very, very good plans that I think that she can accomplish, because she's a tough fighter.
0: Hmm. So, Julia, let me ask you about the performances we've seen from the candidates so far. I, I know lots of people who who think the way you do about Elizabeth Warren, but I wonder what you make of her chances at this point, given her poor performance in lots of places, including her home state, which she lost on Super Tuesday. Does that does that give you any pause? Uh, I guess I'm what I'm asking you is whether you vote or planning to vote your conscience or voting strategically here.
4: I am going to vote for her no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. Um it, What other people are doing, that doesn't matter to me. I think she is the best candidate, and I am going to be supporting her. I will be phone banking for her this weekend, and I have been financially supporting her for
0: a long time. Hmm. Okay, Julia, I appreciate the call and the comments, and uh, I I like your certitude going into Tuesday. I hear a lot of people saying they're not sure what they're going to do. You seem quite certain. So, uh, again, thanks for the call. Let's go to Max in Allen Park. Max, what's on your mind?
5: Hey, uh, pleasure to see you and uh, everybody else from WDET last night. Oh. Maria Nojosa, yeah. and uh, that was a, like a great event. Love you guys. Like the money I give you guys is like money well spent. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say that I can I I just came back from changing my ballot. Um, now that the person that uh, that I really wanted well is no longer in the ballot, well, you know, I I took my opportunity to to so change it. And I voted, uh, you know, really, the most important thing to me is making sure that Trump is not like the president mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. ever. And that he's never elected to any other kind of office either. <laughs> so that's how I voted. Uh, somebody asked me to be like specific. Okay, I'll say it right now. My original vote was for Bloomberg, and I changed my vote to Biden.
0: Hmm. Wow. And, so, and you were able, I mean, that's a really important point, Max, because there's a lot right. of folks who did vote early because you can right. now. And right. some of them voted for candidates who are no longer on the ballot or no, no longer trying to, to, to get yeah, the nomination. Right. But as right. you point out, you can go down. To the city clerk and Up
5: until 4 o'clock change on Monday.
0: your yeah right you can change your vote and that's important to do that otherwise your vote will go to somebody who who is not trying to get the nomination. Uh, Max, I really appreciate the call and of course the info, uh, J- Jonathan Osting, I want you to, to address what the previous caller Julia was talking about with regard to Elizabeth Warren and her plans to change health care, for instance, in in uh, this country. Um, uh, You've had conversations with economists about whether Sanders and Warren, uh, these plans that they have, these very big plans, are are good policy and, and likely to be things that we would see happen even if they were elected. Tell us about those conversations.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, the caller spoke specifically about, you know, wanting to eliminate for-profit health care that, of course, you know, aligns with the sort of Medicare for all proposals that both uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are talking about. They want to create a national single-player health system, of course, and that would largely, um, well, it would eventually eliminate uh, private health insurers. Warren um, has sort of softened her plan just a little bit, allowing sort of a multi-year phase in so that folks wouldn't immediately. Lose private health insurance. She wants to, in the meantime, create a public option uh, under the Affordable Care Act, which is uh, similar to the more incremental approach that Joe Biden uh, is uh, talking about. So she's softened her stance just a little bit, but certainly still believes uh, in the idea of a single payer health system. I think she's maybe taken into to account some of the political realities that um, even though. Uh, you know, she she even if she won election on that platform, uh, there's still you know moderate Democrats, not to mention Republicans uh, in Congress who might not be uh, fully on board with that plan uh, just yet. So uh, Elizabeth Warren certainly has probably more and more in-depth plans than any candidate in the race. Um, that's sort of her calling card. She's coming back to um, Lansing where I live uh, n- later this week, uh, as long as she's still in the race. She was there uh, last year the same Lansing Community College spot, and it was really fascinating to see. I, I've never seen people celebrate such a nerdy chant before, but every time, you know, she yells, I got I got a plan for that, uh, her, her fans go wild. So uh, certainly uh, there's a lot of true believers uh, in Elizabeth Warren, like your, like your caller pointed out, uh, who are still making calls, and, and until she drops out, are going to stick with her.
0: Mm. Uh, let's go to Anne in Clinton Township. Anne, welcome to the show.
6: Hello, Stephen. I'm a great fan of your show. I enjoy uh, most every topic and always wish I could call it and uh, contribute definitely. Yeah, today I, I decided to today. Um, uh, the um, with Warren, uh, the ability for the progressive um, agenda, the types of uh, plans that she has. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, she has a dogged approach to being able to um, do things maybe more like along the lines of uh, Pelosi's talents, Um, uh, the negotiation and the ability to uh, draw people out into areas that uh, they may not be as comfortable with, but to give them the reasons why. All of her plans, to me, make a lot of sense. And I also would like to know, um, you know, if the Bernie Sanders supporters are going to be able to see that uh, winning for Biden to be able to win. Against Trump is a big deal, uh, obviously, but for Biden also to be able to do the incremental type of plans with the, like we're saying, there aren't as many progressives, maybe the moderates will come along and see the light. Um, How much work will anyone get done when they get in Washington? That is my critical issue. I believe that Warren has the kind of um, uh, the sort of uh, uh, stick to itiveness that it's going to take to get the plans that have the, the sensible backings uh, put through there, uh, and, and have a lot of people get on board because they are, you know, negotiable. But she also has very well thought out um, uh, principles and uh, facts and uh, ability to sell the whole uh, package
0: mm-hmm. uh, and those are really interesting thoughts about the about the whole field and a lot of the uh, issues i really am glad you called uh, and added that to our conversation let's go to aaron in jefferson chalmers aaron welcome to the show
5: good morning Stephen. you asked your audience if they thought the economy was booming and i say this what good is a booming economy if a person can lose their job through no fault of their own, get sick, and go bankrupt mm-hmm. from medical bills, what mm-hmm. good is a booming economy when a mother or father has to comfort their child in a hospital with one hand and be on the phone with an insurance company with the other hand? And it's no surprise that Gretchen Whitmer, a Blue Cross Blue Shield heiress, endorsed Bernie. Or I'm sorry, endorsed um, Biden, who wants the status quo.
0: Hmm. Uh It's a pretty dismissive characterization of the governor Aaron. Uh she she is related to somebody who used to work for Blue Cross and I'm not sure if that makes her a Blue Cross heiress, but I do take your point that that you you feel like she's more part of the uh, you know, establishment Democratic Party here in the state. Uh, I appreciate the call and the comments, Jonathan. I I wonder what you make of the role healthcare is playing, not only in the decisions that people are going to make next Tuesday, but also in the widening income gap. In other words, uh, the, the, the people who are falling behind in many cases are falling behind because of medical bills that uh, they can't afford.
1: Yeah, that's true. And of course, regardless of how much income you make, you know, premiums tend to be about the same. Uh, so, and of course, wealthy folks ha- usually have more access to uh, employer-based healthcare that might be cheaper for them. So uh, certainly I think that's that's part of the wealth gap. I think, you know, as far as healthcare, both of those callers, I, I think point to, uh, you know, the idea of enthusiasm, you know, these aggressive healthcare overhaul plans give supporters of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren something to get really excited about because they're big uh, and bold uh, changes as they talk about. Um, I I think it's, you know, it's obvious that there's not the same enthusiasm and excitement for Joe Biden. Uh, You don't see it uh, online. You don't see it in public as much at his rallies. Uh, But, you know, I think folks who are, are rallying around Biden right now, uh, think that the enthusiasm is going to be there regardless to take on Trump. Uh, We saw in 2018 that turnout was up, even though Trump wasn't on the ballot, and Democrats did really, really well. Gretchen Whitmer was one of those people. Uh, She probably benefited from an anti-Trump sentiment uh, that now she and other supporters of Joe Biden think is going to help potentially carry him over the top as well. So I think the you know, the role of enthusiasm is going to be a big deal. Are those voters who are so enthusiastic for uh, Bernie and for Elizabeth Warren uh, going to fall in line and, and decide that, uh, you know, taking on Trump is, is more important than, uh, you know, sticking by uh, their principles if uh, Joe Biden is the eventual, eventual nominee? Mm.
0: Okay, Jonathan Osting, State Capitol reporter for Bridge Magazine. Great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Steve. Up next, we're going to talk about an environmental justice law symposium that's in town this week. Nick Schreck of the UOD Mercy Law School is going to join us with another guest to talk about race, class, and environmental racism. Stay with us on Detroit Today.